Please be seated. Those of you who love it when one of us mentions from the pulpit an intelligent or academic theological work we're reading, one that probably made the reading list for a master's level graduate class or at least made the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list, forgive me. The next few minutes may not be for you. I just finished a fun, rompy action novel that, uh, um, had I been on vacation, would have been the perfect beach read. The novel's called Ready Player One. It's the debut novel by author Ernest Cline. It appeals to anyone who enjoys post-apocalyptic literature, particularly anyone between the ages of 10 and 30 during the 1980s. I am both. <laughs> the novel is set 30 years from now, when fossil fuels are nearly depleted and the planet is dying. Most people in the story spend a great deal of their lives connected through helmets and gloves and all kinds of equipment to an alternate digital world where they can choose their own appearance, they can create lives and personalities far more interesting than the ones they live IRL, in real life. The plot revolves around a scavenger hunt of all things in the alternate reality, with clues that involve 1980s pop culture. Atari, Family Ties, Duran Duran, and the like. Pac-Man looms large in this story. But the novel is also haunted by the specter of deeper questions about identity and relationship. Is it real love if you've never seen her real face? Can we have a conversation, a real conversation, about difficult topics when you have blocked my incoming communication? What does it mean to kill someone when you're not really stopping a heartbeat but you're just shutting down pixels. The story moves back and forth between the real flesh and blood world and the world that the protagonist is slowly finding more real and meaningful to him, this digital alternate world. The ending, which I will not give away, is surprisingly ambiguous. Suffice to say, the author doesn't actually take a hardline stance on this question of reality and relationship. He leaves us floating in the fluidity of it, and it's gotten in my brain a little. Relationships are, to dramatically understate it, complicated. Romantic relationships, familial relationships, close friendships, collegial partnerships, people are complicated, and when we bring our gifts and our drives and our loves and our biases, when we bring these all together, we set ourselves up for some hard work or some fireworks. Take your pick. And in our gospel reading this morning, we hear Jesus ranting, ranting about relationships. The bystanders think he has gone mad or that he is 
possessed by the devil. The choices he is calling people into sound insane. Our reading this morning is sandwiched in between Jesus' appointing the disciples to the work of healing and proclamation, and then a long section of parables about growing the kingdom of God. This is the connective tissue between the work of healing and proclamation and growing the kingdom of God. Relationship right here in the middle. Jesus is pushing the people around him to look hard at the relationships they tend, to decide which is more important, false, damaged relationships that do not serve the gospel, that do not build the kingdom, or the relationships that strengthen with time, that move toward the holy, that give life. And he's asking us to choose. Now remember, friends, that at the time this story was told, these were some very, very real divisions. For many who are choosing whether or not to follow Christ, they are also choosing whether or not to stay in their family of origin. This decision will mean more than frustrating conversations about religion at the Thanksgiving dinner table. To choose the path of Jesus can mean being driven out of the community they have known since birth, to leave behind parents and siblings to follow a truth that feels good and holy, but is yet untested. To choose this path means never going home again. That's what these new disciples were facing. So when Jesus is asking, who are my brothers and sisters and who is my mother, it is to these people he is calling. Who will help build the kingdom on a sure footing of strength and godliness? Who will do the hard and complicated work of being in community? Who will leave division and discord behind in favor of reconciliation? There are people in our lives that thrive on discord, that live for disagreement and division. There are institutions, churches, families that would rather be right than be in relationship. They would rather justify themselves and their beliefs than look to ways of being in accord ways to be together. We know these people. We know these communities. Sometimes we are these people, and sometimes we are that community, because it's easier to be right than to be in relationship, isn't it? I know my own mind. I know what is right for me, and that's much easier to stand by that than it is to learn about who you are, to learn about what is right for you, to learn about what makes your heart beat. It's easier just to know me and have that be the end of the story because people are complicated. Relationships are complicated. Relationships require maintenance and compromise and forgiveness and learning. Interpersonal relationships, community relationships, they are difficult. It is hard to live together. 
in this novel I mentioned a minute ago, Ready Player One, the protagonist and his friends come to realize that whether in real life or in this alternate digital reality, the same rules about people and community apply. We can't hide from relationship rules behind false fronts, behind avatars and emoticons. The truth always floats to the top. If we really want to move toward good and holy ways of being together, Facebook statuses and Twitter feeds won't be enough. Living with honesty and integrity, living with gospel intentions, requires conversations that go both ways. It demands speaking truth, and it demands courage enough to hear truth when it is spoken to us. Relationships built on false pretenses are like houses built on sand, and relationships where no one is willing to give, where no one is willing to listen, those will be houses divided against themselves. For the last few months, a task force here at All Saints has been looking at how we are formed as Christians through our education and spirituality programs. One of the things we've found through our research and conversations together is that over and over, people here and people in large churches all over the country are calling for new ways of knowing each other. Not just over a glass of wine at a fabulous parish event, because we're good at that, we are. But also in small groups where that real and intentional and honest conversation is happening. We crave knowing and being known. At the same time, we crave knowing and being known by our God. Over the next couple of years, the Adult Formation Committee is going to restructure the way we do formation for adults. It's our intention to provide more opportunities for growth of the Christian individual in the context of the growth of the community. We're going to work hard around here. We are. We're going to work hard at getting to know each other in contexts of study and of prayer, in processes infused with honesty and integrity, processes that engage multiple modes of learning so that everyone has a chance to be engaged. It's an exciting time, and we are really looking forward to watching this community engaging the gospel and each other in this new way. It's a scary way to live, this thing that Jesus calls us into. We live in a world that physics tells us will constantly move toward chaos, toward division, toward destruction, without our tending to it. And it seems to be true about relationships as well. If we continue to choose false and weak, and dishonest and petty, we will continue to watch ourselves, our families, and our communities divide and be destroyed. But if we instead choose to do the hard work of working toward that which we crave, each other, 
and God and community. Work toward knowing and being known. We will continue to mend the divisions. We will be a house of God, strong and holy. Amen.